Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Intercepted, presented by Acme Packing Company. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm joined here by Seth Galina. Saves the people, Seth. What's up? I'm Seth Galina. I work for PFF. He does work for PFF. And we're joined by another guest, Derek Clausen. Say what's up to the people, Derek. What's up to the people? I do not work for PFF. You don't. You turned <laughs> out. Don't, don't, you, look, don't, I don't like this. You could have been my co-host on a podcast. You turned me down. So let's not get into I was, it. I, I never heard any official, you know. So. All right, enough, <laughs> enough of this. We're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers, okay, for the first half of this podcast. And then we're going to break down uh, Bill's Packers the second half. Um, first thing, though, Seth, I need a plea with you. I had PFF Ultimate for two and a half years because I worked for the XFL. I It ran out like a couple weeks ago. It's killing me already. What do I need to do to get PFF Ultimate? Man, there's just like you okay but again again you also had your chance to work for pff during certain times the, ex- the so xfl gave you more me, money okay? i don't yeah i don't complain <laughs> that if uh people don't if have we we haven't had pff mike on here pff mike trained me to work for pff during his run uh for the bachelorette when i didn't even know he was training me like right after uh being sent home i didn't know this um, he trained me. I went through all the training. And then like right as I was going to work for PFF, the XFL bag came in. And I don't I don't regret it. I don't Wait, regret did it you have me. zombie ultimate for like two years then? <laughs> I had zombie ultimate for, yeah, since <laughs> since the XFL folded. And what would that have been? March of 2020. I mean, it, was the, it was COVID. Yeah. They paid for it. <laughs> Vince McMahon's money paid for it. So I'm just mad. I, I was hoping. I was hoping. PFF just kind of forgot about it and I would just have it eternally, which is not how that ended up working. Um, enough, enough of this Aaron Rodgers, Seth, I want to start this conversation with you. The, the internal talk at PFF, what is the internal monologue you guys are having about Aaron Rodgers? I know you guys aren't a monolith. You're laughing at me right now, but like, what are the conversations that you guys are having about Rodgers right now? Well, I, I'm not having any conversations about Rogers other than like with you guys. So uh, we're all probably going to be on the same page here. I think when I watch it, there's, you know, you, you hate to like speculate and kind of say these words, but like there's a poutiness to his game right now, which, you know, given uh, how he's talked to the media recently, it kind of makes sense trying to put one-on-one together where it's like, Hey, if, th- if it's not perfect, then I don't want it. You know, in terms of the play design, in terms of, uh, you know, post snap, whether he's going to throw the football or not. So that's kind of what I'm seeing. I do see a little bit of accuracy issues over the last few weeks. And it's funny because you watch Rodgers and he obviously has such a unique way of getting rid of the football. The release is lightning quick. 
the way he kind of like hops as he's throwing it. And then it's like, okay, well, he's normally accurate, but, but now you watch it and I should know better, but now I watch it and I see him do that little hop thing and the ball hits the dirt and you're like, ah, well, maybe Aaron, you should be doing that, even though I know better than to question him on mechanics. But um, that's kind of the stuff I'm seeing. And, I, and, and again, I, I, you don't want to use the word like pouty, but it like, it's kind of like that. You can, you can use the word pouty. We saw, we saw the game. Jets game. The Jets yeah. game was like, I, it, at least in terms of like that, him kind of uh, getting into fits and stuff. I feel like it was like the first or second drive of the Jets game, dude. He got a pressure. I don't even think it was a sack. I think he just got hit getting the ball out and you could just see he was not having it for the rest of the day. It was like, all right. I think the Jets are going to win the football game. That's one of the more frustrating things, I think, about the LaFleur era Packers. And it's not always just Rodgers, but when this team gets punched in the mouth, it's just over for them. And I know that their defenses look good at times. I know if you look at just like the raw passing stats, like they haven't even allowed that many yards this year. A lot of that came off of crossers. They've nailed that down the last two weeks. They're playing a whole lot more fronts the last two weeks than they have in the past where they were just running, you know, match quarters and stuff like that. But it's been consistent for like three years. It's like they get punched in the mouth either on offense or defense and they can't make it out of that hole. And it's what ends up killing them in the playoffs eventually. Um, the Rodgers thing is funny because, I mean, I've talked to dudes who have actually like worked with Rodgers, like trained with Rodgers, right? And they talk about like all the weird footwork stuff, like to your guys' point. Um, I guess the way he talks about it is like cutting the split is kind of how he explains it. And it's just shortening the distance between the throw, right? Like when he's doing those, like, it's almost like old run and shoot stuff. Like if you look at like the old June Jones things where it's like, you're just cutting the distance for some of these outside throws. The problem is all these hit, all these shots are hidden on the outside. It's like they're, you're getting single high you know they're going to try to run like a slot fade or something like that. If you're playing too high, they're just going to try to hit the flats over and over and over again. Keegan, who we had on the podcast before um, the London game, which is when Rodgers banged up his thumb on that Hail Mary attempt to, to end the game. Keegan sent me the next-gen stats, um, what do you call it, book? Uh, I don't know what it is. It's like the the game preview thing that they have. Like Seth probably knows. He's in Chris Collinsworth's ear on Sunday night football. So, um, but he sent it to me and it's like the EPA one Rogers already last year was throwing the flats more than anyone else in the league that has increased. The difference is they were first in efficiency in terms of like EPA, right? Like the, they're, they're getting the most out of those flat routes. Right. And now they're like one of the lowest in the league. And you watch some of these plays, like the fourth down play last week. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, was the one that kind of everyone points to, right? The Packers are running a variation of snag. They're they're in they're in a bunch set. Um Moose Johnston actually thinks that it's it's a uh screenplay. It's not a screenplay. Well, I mean it, you look at it and you're like the, I think for all of us when you we watched it either live or on live the, on yes. you're like, oh it's a screen. Like clearly it's a screen. And then it's like because it hits so not. fast. Yeah. Yeah. Because it hits so fast, but it's a snag. I mean Amari who, you know, he, he didn't even single him out. He's just like, Watkins should have blocked that. Amari's not running – or is not blocking either. He's running a route. He's running a snag route. And it looks like a lot of just, like, predetermined stuff thrown into the flats. And sometimes he's not even, like, reading um, stuff right off of RPOs where, like, the flats not open on the RPO. You know, Nate Tice, our buddy, 
um, works for the athletic had a couple clips that he was sending me throughout the week and was like, if Rogers hands this off, like Aaron Jones is untouched for like eight yards. Right. Um, and some of that, I guess, has to do with motion because some of those plays do have motion, but you're not changing the key, the guy that you're supposed to be reading when there is the motion. So, like, that that shouldn't be impacting it that much. He's 37 years old. He's played in the, he's played in the league for 15 years. He can see and count. Like, this shouldn't yeah. be that hard for him. It's yeah, tough. The, Go ahead. The motion stuff is like, especially on a play like an RPO. I mean, you're reading, you're basically, I mean, especially on the play that I know that one of the plays I know you're talking about, it's like you're literally reading the guy who's running with the guy in motion. Yeah, he's you know what I mean? It's, like, the it's not like you're reading safety rotation or anything. You're literally just reading the guy coming across the field. Yeah. So this is all to say, because there is, if it's not a damn civil war, I don't know what it is in Packers Twitter right now. Packers fans are freaking out. We can't deal with three straight losses and we're staring down a fourth because the Buffalo Bills are on Sunday night football. People are freaking out. There's like debate between if it's the things around Rodgers or if it's Rodgers. And I think fundamentally it's a both. It's both. It really is. When you're watching the film, Rodgers is also making mistakes. And I don't care that he's on the McAfee show saying, you know, Panchakarma football focus is is giving him the highest grade of of his whole season against Washington like he still is making mistakes out there. Yeah, he's uh, to me it the boring answer is that it is both, right? Because I think yes. on the one hand it's very clear how how bad the receiver talent is hurting them cuz last year like the way they generated explosives they like kind of sometimes LaFleur would do something interesting, but it wasn't like McVay where they were getting you in this perfect personnel package. You know, they're running this insane route combination, blah, blah, blah. It was just Devontae Adams is the best back shoulder guy in the league. And sometimes Marquez Valdez Scantling was faster than everybody. That was really the entire yeah, way. Like, they were, you, oh, all... you forgot about Lazard over the middle. It's yeah, okay. like, oh, you and forgot about too. Lazard over the middle. That one they yeah. still have, kind and, of. And <laughs> those plays to MVS or Lazard or or literally whoever else that wasn't Devontae Adams, I mean, I, so much of that was Devontae's gravity. Because of Devontae. Like there's, exactly. there's, there was almost no one else in the league who had that type of gravity. So That was really apparent, I think, early in week one. And um, I can't remember if I talked about this in – spoiler alert, we're in a group chat together where we talk football all day. Um, I don't remember if I brought it up in the group chat, but you know, the, the Vikings are playing split safety coverage in week one. And you could tell that the whole they just game. did not respect the X. They didn't respect the solo side receiver. And usually that would have been Devonta Adams. So now it's like, Oh, everything that we've seen in the LaFleur era now has to fundamentally change because the math on the other side, like it's not balancing out. So now we have to figure something else out. The other thing so, I think is, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say on, on that point, that was a point I made. I think we had them week two on Sunday night football against the Bears. And now, we, now obviously, we have them again Sunday night. And that was a point I, I was making as I was watching the film and with the Sunday night people. It was just like the quote-unquote weak safety, the guy who is yes. the safety, the too high safety that's to the side of the single receiver. Obviously, there's a corner there, too. But that guy is really the, I mean, it's the key throughout the whole league. It's been the key in college football and high school football for like 20 years. But now we're seeing it more and more in the NFL being the key to the whole, to to how you get the ball down the field, really. And there was a play against Washington where the Packers run their kind of their dagger concept, which is the, uh, a play that they run all the time, really. 
and you can see that just a deep deep runoff and then a dig over the middle yeah exactly you're trying to open up the middle of the field um by running a guy off like you said and you can see that weak safety for washington i forget who it was just toy with them pretend like he's going to the x and then just come down and play that route beautifully and the linebacker gets underneath the throwing window they can't throw they can't throw the runoff route because the weak safety is there and then the dig is covered by the linebacker dropping because he knows what's coming and it's like well if teams are just going to be able to do that and not kind of respect the X, like you said, it's it's rough. It's tough. And one of the things I'm very worried about, um, I know Rogers has brought it up recently because I think the narrative has kind of been built around it quietly and moving up is just that like, he's not running this year. And it's, it's not even just running. It's like, He's not really breaking the pocket that much. Um, I think against Washington, he broke the pocket like once on that touchdown to uh, Aaron Jones. But I think he has – it's something like he has eight carries this year. But if you actually look at the carries, uh, all but two of them are like aborted snaps or kneel downs. So like counting all of those as scrambles isn't necessarily fair. Um, If a quarterback isn't running and he just wants to throw things quickly into the flats, and he can't go under center because of his thumb injury, which is what LaFleur said on, on Monday, and we've kind of been able to piece together now. Why aren't teams just playing this guy in cover two, uh, two man, right? And just getting a hat on a hat, get deep safeties out there so he's, it's harder to complete those shot plays down the sideline. And if he's not going to run, you don't need more than the four pass rushers, right? And two man has given him a lot of problems in the past, like the saints opener in uh, 2021, right? The big thing was like, Hey, we didn't think that they were going to play us in two man things spiral out of control. They end up losing by a million points. And Jordan love has to end up finishing a week one game, just completely embarrassing. Right. Um, They don't have Devonte Adams to help them out there anymore. So that's my big worry moving forward. Cause I think not to get into the Buffalo preview already, but Buffalo is a team that like, I, they could play them in two man. They could do it with, with the defensive guys that they have right now. And the, the play caller that they have, they could just play them in two man and like embarrass them, put kind of like the playbook out there on how to beat this team. As long as Rogers can't get under center. And that becomes a real problem for them for the rest of the year. Cause it seems like right now, all they can do is throw flats. Well, if you take that away, what else can they do? And that's where I have a lot of questions. Well, I, you know, I, like you said, with the, the success of these flat routes or stuff that's mm-hmm. underneath. So Rogers is the high, the, sorry, the lowest, the shortest timed average time to throw in his career. Yes. Uh, or the, at least it looks like 10, 12 years, something like that, since we have the numbers for that. So already, 60% of his throws are short of the sticks, like short of the first down marker that leads the league. I mean, there's all these categories, like you said. I, um, I saw stats that compared him to like Alex Smith. Like this year is basically like what Alex Smith's averages look like in terms of like how aggressive he is throwing down the field. And, you know, what pro football focus, which Derek writes for, they have the the Alex metric, right? Didn't they name like the metric of like average football like outsiders? Football outsiders, I think you. <laughs> what did I say? PFF. <laughs> oh my bad. It's all stats companies. Uh, but yeah, we we do have the the Alex where it's uh, I think it's like air less of expect. It's a really weird 
acronym. It's basically yeah, like, it's basically throwing short, short of the sticks. Yeah, sh- throwing short of the sticks. It's literally named after Alex Smith, and Aaron yeah. Rodgers is replicating that right now. So those throws, but those those throws who you know you have all these bubbles to Devonte, you have the flats to Devonte, both you know types of RPOs or or anything like that, or even like these like swings at the end of a checkdown to Aaron Jones or whatever, and they're just not producing the same amount. So it's like a you're doing it more, and b those 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 plays aren't producing anything. That's kind of a problem. I, I have a theory for you guys. I just wrote about it. You can go on pff.com and read about it. So I wrote about like Brady and Rogers and jointly, both of them having their shortest average time to throw Tom Brady at 2.25 seconds is absolutely like insane to, to, to have an average time to throw that, that, um, that quick. I don't think Rogers was, was, was like that, but it's still um, the fastest he's ever thrown it. But my question is, to you is because I, I feel like I remember this with Drew Brees in his last year. I'm not saying it's Rogers last year. He's going to retire, but Brady for sure. I think we can make some arguments, but that, but it's almost like you get to a point where, and, and they, they've had some mix arounds with the offensive line. Obviously the bacteria issue is, is always is ongoing, but you know, you get to a point in your career where, man, you don't want to take it hits anymore. So you talk about him not scrambling, like he doesn't want to get outside the pocket. He wants to get the ball off as soon as possible. That's the same with Brady. You're just like, man, I don't, I'm not here to take hits, man. I'm 38. Brady's 45. Like I don't take hits. So what ends up happening is you feel like, oh, it's okay because I'm, I'm this elite quarterback. I can, I can just speed up the process here. I can go through my yeah. routes faster. I'll do the stuff. And then like, I don't have to go to one to two to three. One yeah. looks open pre-snap. I'm just going to throw it to him. And then it's like, oh, that was a turnover on downs. Like, and then you end up kills us inaccurate yeah you know what but, i mean and, and like i said that that was my thing with breeze in 2020 and that's not like breeze obviously we saw the arm deteriorate over the last few years but 2019 he could still play 2020 he can play like it was over and manning is the same way roethlisberger post injury was the same way they just they just couldn't play anymore. it was over mm-hmm. rogers you know it's only been like a, a month let's say you know same kind of with brady but there's similarities there. And again, I wouldn't say that Rodgers is done because he's still, quote, you know. I think young-ish. the arm strength is still there. That's the big difference for that's me. That's the like... difference. But the, the thing that's crazy is we said that about Brady last year. Now, again, yeah. 45 years old, big difference. But Brady was like, oh, my God, his arm is crazy. And I know you have your theories on that, Justice. We don't have to get into it. But <laughs> <laughs> he's gene editing. We're going to figure out, like, hey, all the gene editing stuff came out during Tom Brady's peak. He's the only quarterback who can do this. It's like, oh, yeah, he's he's gene editing. They have glowing dogs in Mississippi. They figured <laughs> out how to make glowing dogs in Mississippi. Look it up. Um, the, Anyways, the, that's my theory. He's spitting up his process. It's not working. I feel like – I don't know if that's some of you guys are seeing as well, but, yeah. I, I don't necessarily think you're wrong, but he, what I would say is that – so for all of the guys you listed except for Rodgers – it's kind of excusable or understandable in the sense of like, they didn't have another option. Brady is old. He can't move. Breeze couldn't move. Roethlisberger yeah. at that stage couldn't move. Rogers can still move. It's not a problem of like, he can't get outside the pocket or can't do that stuff. He just like opts not to do it, which I think makes it more frustrating. Um, Cause like, if you're Brady and you don't want to get hit, well, like literally your only option is to just speed it up. Whereas like Rogers could be dancing around a little bit more if he wanted to and scrambling, but he just opts not to. And I think, that makes it even more frustrating when all he does every single week in press conferences or in the locker room is, ah, you know, everybody's got to step up and, and make a play and do this. And it's like, dude, 
you're the one that is actively taking away opportunities for yourself to be making plays. Um, so I, I don't know, man. He's just, it, it's annoying to watch. And the weird thing too, every Packers game this year ends in a Hail Mary attempt <laughs> where he holds onto the ball forever and he just gets absolutely clobbered, just absolutely clobbered at the end of a game for a Hail Mary attempt. That is like what one in 50 chance that they're actually going to like end up converting it. And, you know, teams are playing them deep because, you know, obviously Rogers has converted some of those Hail Marys uh, in the past. So it's like, it's not even getting to the end zone. It's like, you have to throw it short of the end zone and then hope one of these like rugby plays end up scoring. And they had one that was ended up being close um, against, against the commanders. But I mean, like that giants game, the end of like the one day he got hurt with his thumb. I mean, that's a game changer. And the fact that, you know, they've kind of admitted, like, he can't even go under center all the time anymore because of this. That's a huge problem. And the fact that it sounds like um, – Rogers talked about this on McAfee a couple of weeks ago where he was like, teams are just kind of, like, game planning our personnel packages, which is something that, like, we have talked about, like, in our group chats and stuff um, for a long time. You know, Deontay Lee, the point that we always came uh, – Deontay Lee of, now of The Athletic, we've always talked about is, like – so he's a high school defensive coordinator, um, very successful one. He's, uh, we all expect we, – we had Seth and Deontay on one time, and uh, we, we said Deontay is going to be the most successful out of, like, any of us. Like, Deontay is going to win a Super Bowl at some point. Um, he doesn't care necessarily about, like, personnel if you're thinking of, like, 11, 12, 20. It's like, who are those players, Right. And the thing that's kind of killing Green Bay is um, you go under center, teams are going to play them in too high. Why? Because they want to take away the boot, right? They want to take away boot action game. Um, if you're in the gun, they're playing them single high because they want to take away RPOs. And then if uh, Dylan and uh, Mercedes Lewis are in, it's pretty clear that they're going to run the ball. So that's when they spin into single high against the under center. And now the under center game is almost – it's not completely phased out. They still do it every once in a while. And I would be interested in seeing like, why do you think Rogers is like pain management on his thumb can handle like X amount of under center snaps, but not more than that. But I mean, it's all becoming a problem. And that's why you're seeing him just being the gun throwing into the flats. And there's enough tape of it out there. Like, I don't think any of us think Jack Del Rio is the most uh, innovative defensive coordinator out there right um roger said after um the game that like the commanders really didn't give him any problems from a schematic standpoint right it was just guys lining up and and beating them mcdermott is a different animal than jack del rio and we could see some change-ups and like game plan things against the packers if his thumb isn't right and they can't get under center and he must practice on wednesday he practiced on thursday um I don't know if that shows any progress in his thumb because every game since the London game, he's been out on that Wednesday. So if that's the case, man, like I don't want to be like the sky is falling guy. Like there are a lot of things playing into this. I think in general, the team is going to be better next season than it is this year. Um, Who knows if Rogers retires, I don't think he wants to go out like this, but it could get ugly for the end of this season at the very least. My thing with his thumb and getting under center is like, if you can't get under center, what is the LeFleur offense? 
Because that's yes. what they—that's what he is. That's what they want to be. They want to be able to run the ball, do some of the play action stuff, and a lot of even last year with like Devonte, a lot of what they were doing was those access throws where he's like, you can call it an RPO, but they're getting under center, lining up in a run look. The cornerback is like seven yards off the ball, and he's like, screw it, I'm throwing it out quick to Devonte. Well, that's completely gone. Um, they're mm-hmm. not getting under center at all, and their gun game really last year was like, we're going to go three by one, and Devonte is going to be isolated on like a backside shoulder or um, we're going to get a three by one. He's going to be in the slot and they're going to run like an over route. Like that was all they really wanted to do out of gun that or some of their RPO stuff. And so now they're getting into gun. They can't do any of the vertical stuff they were doing with Adams. All they really have is a lot of this, uh, some of the quicker stuff that they're doing. And now they have to leave into the lean into the quicker stuff more because in order to get their five best skill players on the field, they have to go two back and do the split gun stuff with uh dylan and jones like all they have is like this offense that that does nothing they can only get into the gun and run rpos and throw into the flat so like i do think there probably is like some degree of lafleur doesn't have an answer yet but it's pretty clear that both the offensive skill talent and rogers are like putting a lot of hindrances on lafleur even being able to find an answer for trying to get out of his comfort zone offensively that two back stuff is useless it's not good kind of They've been cut. They cut it down. I think the last three weeks, like it's under not, ten snaps, the last three weeks after the Jets it's, game, the or yeah. after the Bucks game, the Bucks were calling beaters to it. I mean, the Bucks were basically the teams the first couple of weeks of the season. The Packers weren't hen- handling the end man on the line of scrimmage on zone plays on the backside, and teams were basically covering everything other than the Rodgers pull right. And we saw that against Tampa. Um, They blew up some plays, and then we saw that against Minnesota in week one at the goal line where Zadarius Smith ended up tackling um, Aaron Jones on the backside of like a fourth and one or fourth and two or something like that. And Rodgers was like, dang, I should have pulled that. They ended up doing some different stuff. Um, They used Aguara as an off-ball tight end and kind of been able to handle the end man on the line of scrimmage that way. But it's cut down their usage a ton because that becomes a run-it-run. Right at that yeah. point, because here's the thing about split back. Like, if you're going split back go. gun, you are immediately taking vertical threats off of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So you have to have receivers or tight ends on the ball who are like can actually threaten defenses down the field and not make you immediately want to come up for all the running back stuff. Packers very clearly don't have that. So what's the point of doing any of this two back stuff, um, especially if they're not going to come out and go two back and like get uh under center like they don't want to do any of that and really you don't ever want to do two back pony under center really unless like i mean like the cowboys can kind of do it but like that's they're kind of the exception really they run you know they run two plays out of it one of them you could easily do with a receiver Mm -hmm. you know the the inside zone bubble which we saw every other team runs with that and they used to run it with a receiver too dude that play i swear to god is like the and this happens with like a bunch of different things in the NFL, but like some team will do a thing and they'll do it really well. Like other teams have done really good with like mixing up their split back stuff. Like the Niners, the Niners actually have a really interesting split yeah. back gun package. And a lot of other teams will be like, Oh, we should try to do split back gun, but they will only call this damn play where you run the inside zone and have the bubble off of it. And you'll see every team they'll do this and then not have any other play off of it. And it's like, well, you're now you're just doing it just to do it. And the Packers have like made this, a part of their offense where they only have this play. They, they have a, the other play they run out of that, which I kind of don't really understand. I, I don't know if you noticed this, but like it's a hand to Dylan, and then Aaron Jones kind of sneaks out the backside, like to yeah to the flat, 
to the flat. And then I think they tr- finally try. So it's not really an RPO because Rogers is never looking at it because he's, he's to his back. And mm-hmm. then they tried to play action off it against the commanders and they, they just kind of covered it. And then that was it. So yeah, it's like, all right, well, that's, that's why your EPA in those plays is like negative 1.5 per play or something like that. It's not, it's not good. I mean, the that's one- just a spread version of like a fullback dive toss type of thing. That's all that is. <laughs> yeah. It, I know. That's true. Um, the one thing I always find interesting is like LaFleur goes up there and he's like, well, we can't carry too much in our split back gun package, because what if one of these guys goes out? Right. But then I point to San Francisco and I'm like, these plays are for Debo clearly. Right. Where it's like, if Debo's not that guy, then we're not running it. Right. I just don't understand why they aren't treating it that way with like Aaron Jones, where they're like, look, it's fine. Like this is the Aaron Jones play. We're getting this look because Aaron Jones is in the backfield. If he's not there, we'll go to something else. And I don't know if it's because they have such a young team that like the other guy, like the wide receivers or whatever, like need to get the reps in practice to be able to actually run plays in game. Um, But I don't understand why at the NFL level, you have to kind of think like that and be like, well, we can't have an expanded split back gun offense. If, you know, these guys aren't going to be on the field. One of them goes down. We have to get out of our game plan. Then get out of the game plan. I know, like, I know, I know that sounds simpler than it actually is, but like, why can other teams do it and we can't? That's the question I haven't necessarily had answered yet. I mean, that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with like, just once you get out of this under center structure that Lafleur is so used to, it just seems like he isn't fully comfortable like finding what his identity is outside of that, and that's fine because like when you come from that system and that's all you know, and you're now suddenly forced to like be a different kind of offense, it's really hard to adapt, even if you are generally considered one of the smartest offensive uh, minds in the NFL, but like they're very clearly don't have that right now. And I think kind of like to your point, he has these couple of things he wants to do. And like, if he doesn't have them, he just like spazzes out and he doesn't want to do anything else. What do they do well on offense? Aaron Jones. Yeah, they, the Aaron Jones plays are good. <laughs> and probably not enough, but Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean, that's really it. I mean, A.J. Dillon. And, and that's the funny thing about the – sorry, that's the funny thing about the two-back stuff. They're all Dillon handoffs. I mean, yeah, there's because, RPO action to them, but, like, they're all inside zone to A.J. Dillon. And the, yeah. Jones has the only good plays because he's the only person in the entire offense who, if he gets the ball, you think, oh, shit, he might get 20 yards. He's the mm-hmm. only person in the offense where no matter he touch, no matter where he touches the ball, he can get 20 yards. Or the touchdown he caught against the commanders, he's like converting an out into a wheel, I think. Yeah. None of their receivers are threatening enough to like actually win down the field like that. It has to be Aaron Jones. He's the only dude who can do anything on this offense. That's why I always thought like the 20 personnel stuff. Split back gun is so limiting to the to the it point is. that Derek made earlier, right? Where you're taking guys vertical off of the field. Um, I've seen some very good split back gun offenses, but they all involve the triple option. That, that's, that's what I was about to say. Right? Or and you're using them both in protection immediately because you have other receivers who can go win on yeah, one-on-one. Right. On one. Well, yeah. the Packers, that's clearly not an option. It's, it's like empty where you have two tight ends mm-hmm. on the field and they're attached and it's like we're just chipping and then, yeah, we're chipping and then running but routes, but we're taking a shot play. It's almost, and I know some teams do do this, Seahawks, for example, it's almost like the NFL's version of the um, the full house, you know, the old Mike Gundy stuff where you yeah. put the diamond backfield. And the whole point was like, okay, hey, we're going to, we have enough like tricks, you know, smoke and mirrors to hand the ball off and get some yards. 
But really, once you give us one-on-ones, because we have the two receivers out there, we'll take them. And and like like Derek said, they just can't take those. They're not one-on-ones necessarily because you do have three three pass threats there. But like, they just can't they just can't take them. Now the other thing is like, you know, they played the Bucks a couple of weeks ago, and then the Bucks structurally give up that kind of intermediate middle of the field behind the linebackers uh, in front of the safety, just like I said, structurally off play action. They hit it four or five times our, our favorite route, the the drift route, the little short post route, whatever you want to call it. And they just haven't really been back to that. And I, and again, I know the Bucks are a team that you can, you can, you can take that from them, uh, you know, take that against their defense. But the, the, it's a play that kind of works no matter what. And he yeah. threw it against the Bears a couple times against looks that you generally don't throw that into too high. Um, and they just haven't been back to that. And that's such a, to me, that's such an easy chain mover that they're just like trying to find stuff. That it's not really working. I, I want, think, oh, good. I was going to say to Justice's point earlier, like teams just play man against them because I think the one thing that can kind yeah. of mess up the drift route is if you just play press man and you just, you're on him the whole time. I think we even saw like, I think it was more like a slant route, but like Romeo Dubs tried to run or Dobbs tried to run. Uh, I think he was the isolated receiver on like a third and 11 or something. He tries to run one of those inside routes and he's just gloved up the entire time because none of these dudes can beat one-on-one coverage. So I think to Justin's point, like don't do what the Bucks did and give them uh, some of these like blitz looks where, yeah. you can, where you can let them throw the ball in front of your coverage defenders. Don't do that. Just punch the receivers in the mouth at, at the line of scrimmage and dare them to beat you because it doesn't seem like any of them can. Like maybe Lazard will beat you on, on like a couple of contested catches every now and then, but like that's all they're going to do in the terms of, of getting Green Bay Packers. And you might hear this on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> the Packers receivers have the lowest contested catch per uh, rate in the league this year. So they got no one. And Lazard's not even not playing great. this week. So, right. That's yeah. true. Um, one more thing before we get to break and we talk about the uh, Bills Packers matchup, the 20 stuff, right? The, the 20, or it's actually 21 personnel. Yeah. Because um, they're playing with the tight end most of the time. So two back, one tight end. Um, the thing I don't understand. So we talked about split back gun. And we talked about how most of the offenses that run split back gun. And I'm usually, generally I'm talking about college offenses, to be honest here, because there's not that many teams that run a ton of split back gun at the NFL level because of the restrictions that it puts on routes down the field. Um, why don't you have Dylan in the backfield and line up Aaron Jones at wide receiver more? Because we haven't seen that. And that's something like, you know, the Steelers were able to get a lot of success out of that with like Le'Veon Bell and stuff. And the other option is like, what if you could get teams into two tight end looks out of 21 and use like um, AJ Dillon as like a wing tight end or something like that? That solves a lot of your issues, right? If you could have a wing out there and, you know, Mercedes Lewis is still hand in the dirt and then you can run RPOs like that. I know that he doesn't want to be considered like a fullback or anything like that. He's talked about that before. He had like one fullback uh, snap last year and he got pretty mad that people were were bringing that up and it's like, Dude, we gotta win ball games. Like we can't think like that. Like something has to change with that personnel package. Um, let's take it a break. And on the other side, we'll preview uh Packers Bills Death March. And we're back. All right. This game opened up as a ten and a half point spread. Aaron Rodgers' first game in his career as a starter, where the Packers have been double digit underdogs. What do we think? What does it look like 
if the Packers win this game. Josh Allen dies on the first play of the game. <laughs> That's how they win this game. And even then, I mean, as Case Keenum is not a bad backup. I mean, like, look, the, the Packers' I last three games were, are four games, right? Bailey Zappi, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, and Taylor Heineke. So, Case uh, Keenum Case is Keenum, not lower than that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, can Case Keenum pull it through? I mean, maybe at this point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. What does it look like? That's actually a good question. What does it look like? They're they're running the football just enough, and probably just enough to get get the Bills out of too high, which I think they'll probably play a bit. They are generally a zone team. They're generally a too high team, though they will spin down to one high often enough. But I think maybe that's it. Hit some big plays on the outside. I, th- I feel like you have the ability to hit big plays on this. I know we just talked about it, not having the guys. Just like, I, I, and I know like, you know, like Sammy Watkins and, and Romeo Dubs are like, you know, Dubs hopefully will become a good player. Watkins, we always talk about his potential, but it's like, well, that's it. Like, like go make some plays. Like one-on-one on the outside, go make some plays. And hopefully that's how it looks. Now that I think about it, actually, I think if they're actually going to win this game, it kind of has to look like the Dolphins game did for the Bills, Um, at least in terms of like what the Packers defense is going to do, where they are sending pressure, they are forcing an offensive line that is still kind of iffy and doesn't always pick up uh, blitzes particularly well, um, or at least hot and cold in the way that they do that. I think you have to pressure them that way. And then like, the Packers DBs are talented, dude, like their corners are talented. And if they get them in a game where the bills are trying to throw 45 50 times a game and like all you're doing is just auto stressing the corners like there's a world where the Packers talent can win out there I'm not sure if it will but like I think that kind of has to be the formula where you're just getting enough pressure uh you're completely forcing the bills out of running the ball um I mean the bills are kind of iffy on how much they want to run the ball anyway which I think is actually really really good for the Packers but um, yeah, I think that's kind of how it has to look. It has to look like the Dolphins game did. And we kind of talk changed. about Buffalo as a glass cannon, right? Um, yeah. In terms of like them, they just kind of pass the ball. They don't really go under center and stuff like that. Packers are less than the Bills under center season long now in terms of the percentages. And well, let's let let ultimate decide that. <laughs> well, I got that from next gen stats. The so. Bills did start to get a little bit better at it. I think once they got some of their linemen a little bit healthier, because I think for the first like month of the season they had some issues there. And now that they've been healthier, they've gotten under center a little bit. I still think yeah. they're just not an offense that wants to be balanced. They want to throw the ball as much as they can. Yeah. Um, just to talk about the injuries right now, to get in front of that. Um, Rashawn Gary went from a non-participant to a limited participant today. Um, so did Ellen Jenkins. I don't think that's a surprise. And Aaron Rodgers, which again, that's another expected one. So hopefully Rashawn Gary will be able to play as a pass rusher. Um, they haven't, I mean, JJ and Igbari, um has kind of developed into their third pass rusher, but outside of that, they really don't have anything off of the bench. So if he's starting, they have no depth at that point. So hopefully um, Gary will be able to play in this game. The tackle or I guess offensive line situation Again, is weird. Um, they had to basically the, the way that it, they made it sound is like surprise on Sunday morning. David Bakhtiari isn't going to go. Zach Tom is now starting left tackle, which might be a reason why Aaron Rodgers is rushing a lot of these throws. Right? I, I would, if he said that, 
and I don't think he would for all the stuff that he talks about generally about like players have to play better. He doesn't really like single out individual players. If he did say like, yeah, I had a fourth round rookie left tackle. That's why I'm throwing all these flat routes off of pre-snap looks and make a lot of sense. Right. Like, I mean, we saw the Eagles do that, right. When, when they didn't have my lot of like, they instantly defaulted to like, screw it. We're just going to throw RPO flat routes the entire game. Yeah. So the Bakhtiari thing is something to watch. I mean, he was a guy who played all or practiced all week. Friday was not given an injury status. Saturday was giving a que- given a questionable status. And then he just didn't play, right? So I don't think you could feel comfortable about, but for sure, like Bakhtiari is going to play left tackle until like kickoff, basically. Like we're at that point with him. So who knows what's going to happen at that spot? I think Ellen Jenkins is going to play right guard again. Yash is going to play right tackle um, or Jenkins is going to play left guard. He got moved over for, or they flipped him with uh, John Runyon Jr. The wide receiver position is really where it's like, oh, crap, this could get really bad. Um, Alan Lazard has a shoulder injury. He got hurt last week, right? Um, came in and out of the lineup, did finish the game, but like he was, I mean, they're showing cuts of him on the sideline and he's like grabbing his shoulder after catches, right? And it's like, all right, this dude is at the very least on a pitch count. He said that he's probably not going to play this week. Um, today we're recording on a Thursday. Uh, Sammy Watkins has been limited back-to-back practices with a hamstring injury. He was limited all last week, but did end up playing. I'd assume he's going to play. The big question mark is Christian Watson, right? He has a hamstring injury. He's missed the last two games. Um, second hamstring flare-up. He's had limited snaps because in the summer he also had a knee surgery, right? Um, this is kind of the one that it's like, dang, he's not even getting like the chemistry reps, right? He's been a back-to-back limited participant in practice. Um, he was a non-participant last week when he didn't play. So hopefully he's going to play. I assume he's going to be listed listed as questionable as long as he practices on Friday. But soft tissue injuries, this Packers football team, you know, knock on wood, you can't count on anything. There's a situation, um, again, assuming Sammy is going to play, because I assume Sammy is going to play. There's a possibility that, like, the wide receivers they go into this game with are Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dobbs, Amari Rogers, question mark, Samari Toure, question mark, and that's the four. They do have an open roster spot, so maybe they could call up Jawan Winfrey, but, like, if Jawan Winfrey is your wide receiver three, you got problems. You're playing the Buffalo Bills who have Josh Allen. Like, that is a nuclear bomb. The, the Samari Toure thing is funny because Rogers said like three days ago, like if we're going to keep making mistakes on offense, we're going to have to have people who haven't been able to play uh, start to get into the lineup. And at receiver, it's literally only Toure. And it's like, yeah, he was like, was he a seventh round pick or like undrafted? Like this, he was is, a not, round pick. this is not saving the offense. Like who is he talking about that is supposed to come off the bench and save anything? Well, talk to our buddy, Eric Galco the east west shrine game and he'll say samari toure is better than romeo Dobbs. um the the amari rogers thing is so frustrating too because it's like he doesn't do anything on offense he has dude the the drop he had i mean so here, here actually this kind of like i feel like wraps up the entire problem with the packers offense there was a play where uh rogers amari rogers was the number one receiver to the right side uh aaron rogers gets forced out of the pocket to the right Amari Rogers like breaks whatever he's doing. I think he was just on like a crawl route or a hitch route. Goes up the sideline, tries to make a play, scramble. Aaron throws it to him, and it's like on his fingertips. It's like kind of a tough catch. 
like Devontae Adams could make that play. Like MVS used to be able to make that play. Amari Rogers is never making that play. Yeah. And he also fumbles on punt team. I yes. think he has. <laughs> I, I, think, I wrote he his hands don't even work on punt team. Why would they work for a thing like this? Yeah. Like, I think he has one more fumble than he has receptions this year. And on oh his career, God. he has one fewer fumble than he has receptions in his career. It's never good. That's never good. Um, but you know what's funny about him? Like, I think we all that he was never good look, in college. Yeah, that's a, and he had Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. To. Yeah, I was like, you know, I, I, you liked a lot of the stuff he did in college in terms of a college player and like taking a bubble screen seventy five yards. But it's like if that's all you can do in college, that's not what you're going to be doing in the NFL. Yeah, and I think one of the things that kind of, especially now when there's like injuries and you're post Avante and Randall Cobb, who's Rogers' safety net, is on IR now. I think one of the things that are kind of hurting the Packers, especially if they're in a gun in the gun and not under center. This goes back to your point of like Lafleur's offense is built to be a like an under center. We're running the ball. We're running play action team, right? What do you ask of those wide receivers when they're in tight splits? You want them to block, okay? So what are we looking at wide receivers? All these guys are two hundred plus pounds, right? It's really limiting in terms of like what you're actually looking at for guys coming out of the draft or free agency or anything like that. It's why Sammy Watkins was was signed by the team, right? It's why they took Amari Rogers, who I think it was him and then the kid from Houston um, who went to Michigan. I'm spacing on his name right now. Those were like the biggest wide receivers in that draft class in 2021, right? Which is maybe why they passed up on some of these wide receivers. Um, if you're in the gun and all you're throwing is flat routes and stuff like that, like, and if you're going to get man coverage, probably wanting a little bit more speed out on the field, but this is an offense that now is like, we plan to be an under center play action team. And now we are a gun quarterback. Can't go under center teams are taking away the run team. And it's just like the personnel isn't built to play football the way that it is that that's forced to play. You know, it, doesn't that make it more insane that they didn't take Pickens by the way? <laughs> yeah, I, Dude, mean, that's... I don't want to talk about it. We could have. Yeah, we like could have taken the two a big receiver who was going to block. That was the guy. Pickens, like, yeah, Pickens was perfect for this offense, and it hurts every day, every time, because the Steelers for some reason are getting all these damn primetime games while the Packers have to kick off in morning games and killing right. me as a West Coast. Enough, enough, enough. <laughs> <laughs> every time I see Pickens, I'm like, dang, we could have had him. Same thing with Carlos. Those those were the two guys. The plan was the two Georges. We didn't come away with it. By the way, you said the. Uh, I think you said earlier, like the defense has a lot of talent. The Packers are. Yes. If you, it's why everyone before the season was like, this is at least a top 10 unit. Cause you look at every spot on the roster, like the depth kind of sucked, but they had guys who were pro bowl talents at literally every position with like some projection for the the two rookies that they had. Like that was it. They're second in cash flow on defense this year. Second. And that's not including two first round picks that they spent on the defensive side. And Devontae Wyatt just hasn't gotten in the games. And I would like to see more from him. Not not just like, I hope he plays better. Like, no, I would like to see more snaps of him so I can I would evaluate like to see him. him playing, period. Yes. I would like to see that TJ Slayton, I think, has been playing better than Jaron Reed or Dean Lowry. Um, and those guys, I mean, that's kind of what kills them in the run game. People always bring up like the rushing yards EPA or like success rate and stuff like that in the run. And up until the last two weeks, the Packers really have been just like, we're playing, we're matching base to 12 or 21 personnel. We're playing nickel to 11 personnel. We're sitting in two high safeties and we're not really blitzing anyone. They've changed that in the last couple of weeks. But what was really killing them is like, 
those DNs like Lowry and uh, Jaron Reed, they're not making any plays. They're not. They're playing a lot of snaps to get zero TFLs. The only guy who's getting any penetration on that front on the interior at the le- at the very least is Kenny Clark. And I think Preston Smith's taking a jump up in his game. Rashawn Gary's had a great year as a pass rusher. Still has some contain issues and stuff. That's just always going to be the case. But like, if they could like let Slayton or Wyatt develop into something like that, would go so far for this defense because it would keep them fresh. It would get, get them at, get offenses out of like, we're just running the ball and we could just move the ball downfield and have a 15 play drive. What What are your thoughts on the tandem between Quay and Devonja Campbell? Cause I think in my, this could be, I could be totally wrong here, but in my head, you know, one of the issues is you draft a guy, you got to get him on the field. And, and and this stuff that you've said to me too. So it's like, I'm, I'm kind of taking your points and like <laughs> recycling them back to you, but it's like, you, you have this guy, you got to put him on the field. So now you're playing with two linebackers. They did a lot of one linebacker stuff last year, five, one mm-hmm. kind of like this new style of defense that everyone's playing. And now you have to put Quay on the field and he's, he's a rookie linebacker, man. Like that's our position to play. So uh, I don't know, and it may be affecting ends up affecting Devonta Campbell because he's not playing where he played last year, and et cetera, et cetera. I would like to see him get into penny fronts, like you said, where it's you know five guys on five offensive linemen, one inside linebacker. That's where Devonta Campbell thrived last season, right? You know what they actually could do out of like five one stuff, and I, other teams have done this with their guys. Is that and like Devonta Campbell has done this before when he was with the yeah. Falcons. Go five one and put Campbell on the edge. But you, if if you have, that's what I was going to say. Get yeah, right, out of nickel make, personnel. Yeah, then you have to make the decision of who is going to kick inside. I guess Preston Smith would kick inside. Well, get Gary can't set an edge. Get him one on one with the guard. Gary's big. Go. Yeah, Gary yeah. can be that like right. masher type, like what Pernell McPhee like or whoever it. used to do. <laughs> I'd like could, to see it. You could also make the argument that a something like that, where now Quay is the one linebacker, just go sideline to sideline. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry about anything. Find the ball, go hit somebody. You know what I mean? Rather wall than three, wall gap, three. It's... Yeah, wall yeah. three, run and chase after the ball. Run three in the past game. That was Georgia. I mean, simple, right? <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe that maybe that helps. Yeah, I think the linebackers, you could see the athleticism. I think Devondre's taking a step back, which probably should have been predictable. I didn't think it was going to be this big of a step back. Maybe some of that is him playing like actual nickel to, you know, inside linebacker defense instead of playing single. Um, but yeah, that's been a little bit disappointing. Um, let's get, Seth has to get out of here because he has to work Thursday night football. Um, let's get into predictions. What do you guys think the score is going to be? Oh, Christ. Uh, 38 to 13. Uh, like, I think they're just going to hammer oh him. Really? Dude, they're get, they're they're gonna hammer them. Why wouldn't they? I, I agree. I, I the agree. Bills have a funny most of who they need to be healthy for this game. The Packers were already bad. They're missing their best receiver. They're gonna have a musical chairs offensive line again. Rodgers is still complaining about his thumb. They don't know what they want to do with the offense. And until the defense looks the way that we thought it might before the season, there's no reason to believe that playing against the Superman Josh Allen is gonna be the one week they decide to turn it on. But Roger said this is exactly what the team needs, though. <laughs> to be he doubted. said a lot of things, man. He, he <laughs> said a lot of people need a lot of things, and I'm not sure I believe him on any of them. So, <laughs> so I, as uh, a full time better now, I've made 
75 bucks in the past couple of weeks. Okay. So you like 10 and a half points or 11 points, whatever you can get it at, like the value is in taking the Packers there and taking 11 points because that's, that's insane. But I still think they're going to get killed. Yeah. Because well, Josh I- Allen is just like, he's different right now. He's freaking different. He's throwing these cover two hole shots. Okay. My new thing, my new thing, I know I have to leave. My new thing is that I just care if you can consistently hit a cover two hole shot. That's the only thing. Because that's how the league is right now, right? Everyone's playing cover yeah. two. Like, can you make that throw? I don't even care if you can hit the, that, the safety splitter in like the bender in like cover two. I don't care. I don't give a shit about that anymore. It's like, can you hit the whole shot? That's an even harder throw. Yeah. Can you do it consistently? And Josh Allen's the only guy. He threw one. He threw one against the Steelers where he's running to his offhand. Like, I guess to, for him, it's to his, to his left. And he still is able to throw like a, almost across his body from like an open chest into the hole, whatever. Good player, that guy. Oh, man. How wrong were we about Josh Allen? We were all anti-Josh Allen, right? I said he would be he, was, I know Derek and I were. Listen. Oh, yeah. Seth was, was the Josh Allen guy. I forgot about that. Josh Allen was exactly as bad as we said he was. It's just that he's not now. <laughs> I can, dude. Because here's the thing. I feel like you can, there are different ways you can, this is a whole different discussion, but you can miss on prospects for different reasons, right? I really think Josh Allen was just like, we've never seen a guy develop like this before. Whereas like with other prospects, like I probably was just wrong. Like, I don't know, like Deshaun Kaiser, I probably just got it wrong. You know what I mean? Whereas like, I don't know, dude, Allen, I've never seen a player become what he was from where he started. It's crazy. I'm a Ducks fan. I remember the Wyoming Oregon game. If you would have told me Justin Herbert and Josh Allen would have been two of the three best quarterbacks in the league after that game, I would have bet my life that that wasn't going to be true. Um, just want to let leave uh, leave this off with a incredibly sicko brain thought. Here's how da- down bad Packers fans are. We're in the APC Slack, right? Talking about trade candidates, all that stuff. Half of us want to like sell off uh, players already because it's like, dude, we're going to be three and five on Sunday night. We're going to be three and five on Sunday night. There is no one that you need to be trading for. Build for the future. This isn't it, right? The Kansas City Chiefs just traded for Kadarius Tony, right? Do you want to trade for Nicole Hardman? Is that no? What he's going to trade for MVS back. I look MVS. <laughs> <laughs> Rogers wants a guy who knows how how his little routes run and stuff, right? Like Romeo Dobbs ran that post corner that he wanted to get converted back back just to a uh, or a corner post that he wanted to be just a corner back route. to the corner. Yeah. yeah. And he threw it like it was going to be a corner. And it was like a, dang, I wish we would have seen it. That's something that, like, you have to kind of adjust to on the fly. I wish I had guys who had chemistry with me on that stuff. Like, MVS makes a lot of sense. Doesn't have guaranteed money next year. Has, I think it's like $1.5 million salary left in this se- this season. And the oh, you, you've looked this up already. No, nah, you guys are definitely delusional. <laughs> this is very <laughs> sad. We can trade for MVS. I don't know what you would trade for him. But look, I'm I'm open to the idea of watchable football that doesn't involve just like Aaron Jones as the offense. I'm open to it. You know, I think um, we're all open to the idea say, of watchable football. Okay. When they say <laughs> to get the band back together, they don't mean like the tambourine player coming back. They, you need to get your lead guitarist. And Devontae's not coming back. <laughs> He's not coming back. He's not coming back. I do enjoy that he had to spend his bye week 
talking to lawyers about being sued though. <laughs> that was very fun for me. Um, keep it to the feed throughout the week. We'll have injury reports, all that stuff up. Um, look for the uh, Saturday breaking news that David Bakhtiari isn't going to play or whatever is going to happen with this team now. Um, Cause apparently the, the news never stops. Uh, go pack, go.